welcome to Sage and Spirit, a podcast designed to nourish your mind, body, soul, and spirit. I'm your host, Anna Claire Lottie, and I'm so grateful you're here. In this holistic wellness podcast, I'll be having candid conversations with others, exploring topics such as healing with plants, food as medicine, earth connection, spirituality, conscious entrepreneurship, and so much more. Thank you for being here and sharing in this journey with me. Hello, and welcome back to Sage and Spirit. I'm really looking forward to sharing today's episode with you as it's a brand new topic to me, um, one that I really haven't known much about at all until my conversation with my guest today. And of course, before I launch into that, just a quick reminder that all of the information shared within this podcast is strictly for educational and entertainment purposes only. None of the information is intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. And I always really highly recommend that you consult with a healthcare professional before taking herbs or incorporating new protocols into your life, especially if you have a health condition, are pregnant, nursing, or on any pharmaceutical medications. That being said, my guest today is a dear friend of mine, Heather Woodbuzzard, who lives here in the Asheville area. Heather is a writer, a wildcrafter, and a really skilled and wonderful herbalist. Heather completed her three-year clinical herbalist training at the Appalachia Center for Natural Health with renowned fifth-generation herbalist Phyllis Light. At the same time, she also earned her degree, her uh, master's degree in writing and narrative medicine from Lenore Ryan University. As a health writer and consultant, Heather produces content for herbal entities and has been a regular staff contributor to publications including Paleo Magazine, Aroma Culture, Herb Mentor, and Herbaria. She's currently working on a book of vignettes about wildcrafting medicinal plants, as well as a guidebook for natural health practitioners titled Narrative Herbal Medicine. Her focus within the rising fields of integrative medicine and creative writing spotlights the efficacy of narrative healthcare, traditional herbalism, and expressive therapy. In today's episode, Heather and I talk about narrative medicine as being a crossroads between holistic communication and healthcare. We talk about the importance of rehumanizing the healthcare experience, of infusing this experience and process with humanity and with story. We also discuss the narratives that we create, we discuss patient centered healthcare how herbalism fits into that, and also empathy as a muscle, which is a really interesting way that Heather looks at empathy and the way that this can be utilized within our lives and the different ways that we feel in the world and with the world around us and how we interact with that. We also introduce a really beautiful and special herb, especially for empaths and an herb that has a really beautiful way of supporting us and strengthening our sense of story. I leave that as a surprise for you. So you'll have to listen through the whole episode until we get to that herb. But I really enjoyed this conversation with Heather today. Again, specifically, um, this was not a, a topic that I have really known much about at all until this conversation with Heather. So I really hope that you enjoy learning together with me. 
and look forward to hearing all of your comments and feedback. Enjoy the show. Hey, Heather, thank you so much for being here. How are you today? Hi, Anna Claire. Thank you so much for having me on Sage and Spirit. I'm just delighted to share this audio space today and I'm, I'm doing wonderfully. It's spring here in Appalachia, as you know, so everything's popping. Yes, I know. It's such a magical time to be alive here in the mountains. And I'm actually looking out at the apple trees blossoming right now and they smell so good. They're like little tiny roses. Yes. Yeah, I've got a big patch of purple and red dead nettle and uh, chickweed and Veronica Speedwell and ground ivy and bittercress right outside this door, just waiting to be eaten. I know, right? All, it's such a good time of year for wild greens and pestos. I actually picked a bunch of that yesterday and took it to a wildlife rehab person too, because this person apparently rescued like 200 bunnies and needs bunny food. So wow. I was like, well, I can't possibly eat all of this. So I'll share it with the bunnies. <laughs> oh, that's so sweet. Sharing the green gifts with all. Yes, there's such an abundance. Well, I'm so excited to have you here today. And I have to admit that out of the podcasts that I've done so far, this is the topic that I really know the least about. So I'm really interested to hear everything that you have to say about narrative medicine and weaving that with herbal medicine. And yeah, I just, um, I'm really excited for this learning experience. So I wonder if you could maybe start off by giving us an idea of what narrative medicine is, if you have some sort of definition for that. That is a wonderful question. And I think as with all things in narrative medicine, I don't necessarily have the answer, but I have more questions that I can help to, to direct us towards a, you know, an exploratory sort of collaborative answer um, with narrative medicine is, it's become my baby. You know, it's really, I feel like um, it's my TED talk. Uh, I feel like I've sort of reached my, you know, I haven't produced my magnum opus yet in my life, but when I do, this is it. And, and it's all revolving for me around plants and story and the connection that those two vital aspects of humanity have together. Um, so, so let's dive in. Narrative medicine is, I can, you know, answer this in a variety of ways, depending on who it is um, that's asking and depending on sort of how we want to contextualize it. So I like to think of narrative medicine as a crossroads or an intersection between holistic communication and healthcare. Uh, I think of it as a, a way of viewing people, uh, in this case, it's clients and patients, as these three-dimensional, four-dimensional holographic life stories rather than just a set of symptoms on a checklist. I think of it as the declinicalization of healthcare. And when we remove some of that sterility or that uh, clinicalization that has permeated all of healthcare, we rehumanize it. And so it's sort of this infusion of humanity and story, which almost are these interchangeable terms into healthcare and healing. 
uh, there's a, a, a woman who is a PhD in literature as well as an MD. She is sort of the pioneer. She's the, the mother, the grandmother, the matriarch of narrative medicine in the United States. Uh, and she defines narrative medicine as clinical practice fortified by the knowledge of what to do with story. Because as human beings and bodies that get sick and get well, story is all around us. Story is everything that we have. It is our first breath in the morning and what we tell ourselves as we're waking up and um, the, the narratives that we create around our food and our medicine and our healing and um, what to do with that story in the context of caring for ourselves and our bodies and our families is um, to witness it and to acknowledge it and to name it and, and bring life to it and breathe life into it as a way of um, acknowledging our humanity and the fact that we're not just, you know, a set of chief complaints on an intake form or something like that. Um, sometimes I'll respond, you know, when someone asks me on an elevator, what I was studying in graduate school, I would say, well, have you ever had a, a kind of negative experience interacting with a doctor or a healthcare provider? And inevitably everyone says yes. And so I would say, yes, me too. And narrative medicine exists so that that will not always be the prevailing story because there are more and more valuable, more valuable stories to be had than these um, kind of <clears throat> often one-sided, very brief, uh, clinical interactions with healthcare providers. Um, and Hippocrates, uh, bless him, he sort of defined narrative medicine as patient-centered medicine. That's really the simplest definition of, of what this stuff is. Um, medicine that revolves around the patient as a, a complex and nuanced a dynamic being rather than um, just a, a diagnosis. And patient-centered medicine is inherently very sensitizing in the midst of this very desensitized uh, clinical sterile landscape. Wow, um, I, I really yeah. like that idea. I mean, it's just so beautiful. And I, I would agree that I think that pretty much everybody that I know has had some sort of negative experience when dealing with their healthcare, you know, at some point or another in their lives. And this idea of rehumanizing that entire process makes so much sense. And it sounds like it's so vitally important for actual healing to occur, you know, to be heard, to be seen. Um, and not just like you said, to be this kind of checklist of symptoms. Okay, well, this is what we're looking at. So this is what we're going to treat it with X for Y, you know, that sort of thing. So this sounds to me really revolutionary in some ways. And also, you know, there's kind of the question as to why it hasn't always been this way, but that's probably a whole other topic. Um, yeah. But I would really love to know, this is something that is, as I mentioned, really a new topic for me. And I would love to know, how you came to find out about it and what led you down this path of actually getting a degree in narrative medicine? Well, I like to think of narrative medicine, this really uh, rabbit trails off what you were saying. Um, it's old stuff in new packaging. I mean, this is the oldest 
uh, wisdom. This is in, in graduate school, we discussed narrative as pre-knowledge almost because you don't have to think about your story necessarily. You are your story. Your story is you and we're sort of intertwined in this, in this beautiful dance. Um, so it is, it is very ancient uh, stuff that we're dealing with here. And it's not, you know, of course, it's, it's not something that I invented. It's not, th- so not something that Rita Sharon invented. It is uh, all of our birthrights. And I entered <clears throat> the field of narrative medicine as an herbalist. So I attended uh, Phyllis Light's school, the Appalachian Center for Natural Health for three years and and did my sort of clinical herbalist training there and then entered into my master's program in writing with a focus in narrative medicine because I felt this connection uh, that I wanted to explore between plants and story. And I, I had a teacher once say that, if you want to learn something, then teach it because teachers, you know, what are we, but just really motivated students. (laughs) And uh, so I've been teaching uh, these concepts for the past few years since graduating. But um, every time I do, I feel like I learn more than probably anyone else in the room. Um, The, the portfolio or essentially the thesis that I created during my time in graduate school studying this stuff is called narrative herbal medicine, uh, weaving words and and healing herbs. And basically my um, underlying focus in that book is that the two, two of the oldest forms of healing are plants and story, and that those today are both very safe, accessible, effective forms of healthcare. And I see a lot of, uh, I see a huge bridge between those two concepts of healing and also between story and science. I think that there are sort of two ends of this very long drawbridge connected by empathy. And I think that one of the key things for me in in intertwining herbal and narrative medicine is that the story way of knowing is just as important as the scientific way of knowing. And holding that multiplicity of truth, holding those two truths at the same time is so key because if we throw one of them out and decide that we're only gonna focus on empirical evidence, then we lose so much. And also, likewise, if we if we only focus on the story and the um, sort of what's happening above the ground, we uh, without uh, paying attention to the data or the research or the um, empiricism of everything, I think we lose a lot too. So I'm really grounded in between the two, in between tradition and modern uses, and in between science and story. And I think that's where the real beauty lies. So, <laughs> yeah, thank you for that. I. Um... So it it sounds to me like this is truly like encompassing the holistic vision where we're not just going with one modality. We're not just leaning into the science. There's so much to be observed and heard and looked at and considered. And so this sounds like, you know, this intertwining, this weaving 
um, it sounds like a really beautiful way of approaching healing as a, as a path and as a journey um, into wellness. And also, I'm super excited that you're writing a book about this. First of all, you're just such a wonderful writer and um, the wording that you choose and, and just the knowledge that you have behind it all. I can't wait for your book to come out. Do you have a release date yet? I wish I could tell you yes, but no. <laughs> you know, well, we will just stay like on the edge of our seats waiting for it. <laughs> the book is writing itself through me. And I'm appreciative of being this channel uh, for this information. And I do um, I sort of feel like it's a wild and bizarre niche that <clears throat> somehow has become the focus of my work. And uh, I am also very excited for the book to come out. It really runs the gamut between, um, you know, there's a section on narrative medicine, one on herbal medicine, and then lots of uh, information about what I like to think of as herbs for empaths and herbs for writers. And um, it's, it really lives at a crossroads between these two worlds. Yeah. Oh, that so. sounds so exciting. I'm so excited <laughs> for you. Congratulations. Thank you. And I'm sure, you know, again, like you said, that you're learning so much in that process too. Yeah. So what a beautiful, what a beautiful thing. Um, you know, you mentioned kind of this intersection between story and herbalism. And I, that kind of made me think of when I was in clinical herbalism school and we were talking about the time that we spend with clients, particularly upon the initial intake. And for a lot of people, I know for myself, my initial intake with a client is generally somewhere around 90 minutes. Mm -hmm. And if we compare that to when we go to see a general practitioner or something of that sort, the amount of time that we actually spend not only in the office once we've gotten through the waiting period, but mm -hmm. interacting with the physician or nurse practitioner or whatever the case may be, that time frame is significantly smaller, um, significantly less. And I remember one of the key points from clinical herbal school was that people just need to tell their story, that they need to be heard. Yeah. And that just simply by allowing a little bit of time and space for that to occur by giving them that option, you've already sort of initiated this healing process. And I wonder if if there's anything about that that you might want to speak to, kind of that comparison. And, and not to, you know, there's absolutely a time and a place not to knock any of those experiences, but how do we how do we meet in the middle to make this a more healing experience for everyone, I guess, is the question. Yes, I think that raises a, a few really important points that I'd like to speak to. I think that one is that uh, there's a, a statistic that I think it's an average of nine seconds go by in the typical standard American healthcare patient interaction before the patient gets interrupted. So on average, the patient speaks for nine seconds about their initial chief complaint or you know whatever they're experiencing to the doctor or healthcare provider before they get interrupted with a question or with a comment. Wow. And when you think about that in the in the context of what the actual lived experience of the patient is, who's going through you know this mysterious autoimmune flare-up or is experiencing this chronic pain or whatever they have going on, 
that nine seconds is a very, very short window. And there is not a whole lot of room for allowing story. Um, that said, I am not going to stand here and say that every interaction between a healthcare provider and a patient can be two hours and it, it can be this long, beautiful unraveling of story because that's not practical and that's not going to really shift the landscape here. Sure. But what, what is interesting is that, and studies have been done on this too, I have I've referenced them in my book, that there is a middle ground that's highly, highly effective between the nine seconds and the two hours, um, where if a patient is allowed to unravel their story, to, to, for some of that to flow out, I think that it is around eight to 10 minutes if they're allowed to have that time to tell their story in their own words without interruption, then there's a, a sense of completion or a sense of catharsis or a sense of some reciprocity or empathy. Something happens in that short little interaction. You know, it doesn't have to be two hours. Um, and I, I think that there's, I, I'm an advocate for that sort of middle ground. Um, I see a lot of clients and patients who really in that initial giving over of story from their own bodies and from their own lived experiences to the provider, they locate themselves in their story for the first time as an author. And as an author, you have authority over your own story. And I think coming into that space of empowerment and also hopefully if the care provider or the doctor or um, physician is, is empathetic and is able to listen, then they're able to create a relationship. And as we all know, healing happens in the context of relationship. And so uh, I, I think that speaks a little bit to your question. And one other thing that I, I find immensely helpful in uh, the, the process of intake and the process of caring for the wounded healer sort of trope is uh, the, the concept of the parallel chart, which is one that is uh, a cornerstone of narrative medicine. And basically the parallel chart is a way for herbalists or healthcare providers or doctors, any sort of, any person who is providing care to uh, put out their own thoughts and feelings in regards to a patient care experiences, a, a experience that they have been involved with. So for example, if a patient comes to a doctor and they're talking about uh, this history of pancreatic cancer in their family, and there's something triggered in the in the doctor or, or healthcare provider that's you know their uh, grandfather passed away from pancreatic cancer or something like that. They're going to have an experience that is not entirely tied to the patient, but that needs caring for or witnessing somehow. And they might choose if they're utilizing the the parallel chart tool. They might choose to go in. Uh, sort of next to the notes that they've taken about um, the patient and their experience and write down, you know, this was tremendously uh, catalyzing for me 
in thinking of my grandfather in a new light and it brought up this sadness and grief and fear and confusion and doubt and worry. And in that way, the doctor or the healthcare provider is able to tend to their own story while also tending to the, the story and the, the current reality going on in the life of the patient. And when this is utilized in this way, statistically speaking, we see less burnout among doctors. We see less malpractice and we see a higher patient satisfaction outcome, um, higher, higher late, uh, levels of uh, health outcomes and a stronger relationship between the doctor and the patient, which I think is incredible. So there's a lot of advocacy around parallel charting, you know, caring for the feelings and the emotions and the story of the provider as well as the patient. And also, uh, since you were talking about the intake form, really allowing for expansion on the intake form and allowing for that blank space and that white space and that space of ambiguity and story and not knowing and uh, sort of in narrative medicine, we call it this concept of negative capability, which is more or less being okay with not knowing, being okay with leaning into the ambiguity of diagnostics and illness, because there's so much ambiguity in all of it. Um, and, and that can really live and breathe on, on the intake form if there is enough white space, blank space left for a story. That's such a great idea. And um. It's, it's kind of funny because I'm just thinking about my own intake form and it's like something crazy, like nine pages or something, you know, and, and there is, uh, there's like space, you know, is there anything else that you just want to tell me today? There's a space for like, you know, what are your, your biggest aspirations at this moment in your life? And sometimes that seems maybe like a little flowery and kind of out there for some people, because that's not the, the kind of intake form that they're used to understandably. Sure. And again, you know, like it may not always make sense in every time and place to, to really have, you know, like you said, two hours versus nine seconds, like there's definitely a middle road. Um, but just to allow that and, and for a, a care provider to be able to see that on a chart before even interacting with the patient for the first time or a client and to know, okay, this is something that their, their feeling needs to be heard. And so, you know, they know that they can address this or respond to it or ask further questions if, if time and space allow. Um, and so I really love this idea too about the parallel chart and how it's, it's not just you know, that narrative medicine and this whole concept isn't just for the client or the patient, but that it's, it's really reciprocal. It's really for everyone involved. And again, just that fully holistic model, like we're looking at this from all angles. And there's something about that that feels really promising to me, mm -hmm. just in, in this, this age where our healthcare system is, is you know, overwhelmed. And, and oftentimes time is one of the issues, but, but also just, again, that rehumanizing and the, the connection, the relationship. And that's something that in, in my previous years of study and herbalism, I've come to find that it really, pretty much everything does come down to relationship, whether it's mm -hmm. your relationship with yourself, your relationship with your body, your relationship with a plant or with, you know, the people in your life and, so um, 
I, I really love that idea and the consideration of bringing the care provider into their own healing place as well. It, it's just like kind of blowing my mind a little bit. I mean, that's really beautiful. So I know that you mentioned that your own studies have really been infused with this cross-section between narrative and story medicine and herbalism. And I would love to hear more about the crossing of these two, the, the meeting of these two um, coming together in the same path. I would love to talk about that. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I think of empathy as a muscle and i think of empathy as a muscle that is strengthened by witnessing story and by telling our own stories and uh that's all very much intertwined in both narrative medicine and in herbal herbal medicine i think of narrative medicine as sort of a gateway drug to herbal medicine and that's a a concept that can go both ways because they they really are two ends of this drawbridge between story and science that I was talking about. I think one of the key concepts for me here that ties them together is that herbalists inherently understand that one medicine does not work for everyone. We don't do magic bullets. And so we sort of sneak in the back door to narrative medicine because that's what narrative medicine is all about. It's all about personalized, individualized story. And speaking of relationship, this bounces off what you were just talking about. As herbalists, I think we already have a foundational principle of plants as healers and as plants as teachers. And this tenet of nature as relationship rather than just nature as place is built into the root system of our work. Uh, and, and it filters into narrative medicine as well because the relationship between the provider and the patient or client is all important. It can be more important than the whatever is prescribed or whatever treatment modality is, is used. As herbalists, we understand that story is paramount and that educating our clients and ourselves is empowerment. And that the, the kingdoms of the sick and the kingdoms of the well, which is a concept from Susan Sontag, are these, these places are nuanced and complex, just like the phytochemicals in plants are nuanced and complex. And so I think that there are a lot of ways in which narrative medicine and herbal medicine fit together. And I think that because narrative medicine is on the rise and sort of this up and coming old stuff in new packaging that is becoming quite talked about in the mainstream and, and fully acknowledged in the medical journals, that it, it is creating space for more nuance and acceptance of complexity in medicine. Um, so narrative and herbal medicine kind of creates this uh, unique place in 
in healthcare and healing, because I find as an herbalist that often clients turn to herbalists or other natural health practitioners, you know, it could be a naturopath or massage therapist or chiropractor or whatever. Um, they often turn to people in, in that spectrum after they are finding that they are not heard by conventional care and they're not listened to. And perhaps they are just at the very end of their rope and bringing attention to the importance of client narratives in this intake process means really hearing people and recognizing patients as these multidimensional storied beings with a past that really may hold very important clues to their current presentation of illness. So those are a, a few of the ways in which I see narrative and herbal medicine being connected. I think that they feed into each other and have a, a unique power together that is larger than either one of them individually. Mm -hmm. And just as a couple of examples uh, in this field of, of narrative herbal medicine, some really like concrete practical things that would be included in this field are you know, employing nature as medicine by encouraging clients to connect with the natural world. It could be allying with a certain plant and forging a relationship with that plant over time, over its life cycle. It could be meditating in nature. It could be forest bathing, which is all the rage right now. I know that another podcast guest of yours was talking about forest bathing and you know there are cultures in the world in which forest bathing is prescriptive it's prescribed um, prescribing individual narrative herbal medicine practices to clients is an incredible tool for the toolbox it could be something like take a dropper full of hawthorn berry extract and just notice how your own sense of your heartbeat changes and then write about that. It could be go and spend five minutes a day with a plant that represents the main part of your stress release formula right now. Maybe that's skullcap, maybe that's motherwort. Go spend five minutes a day with that plant and then write down what you are feeling before and after. It could be go and write about your favorite plant from the plant's perspective. You know, it could be, there's a, there's a broad range here, as I, I think you can gather between uh, the, a little more out there woo-woo fairy time <laughs> and a little more mainstream. You know, go take a chamomile and lavender bath twice a week while you listen to a story. That could be narrative herbal medicine. Or uh, write the story down of your chronic pain and then include as characters in this story three herbs that you're finding helpful. Uh, wow, these are great yeah. ideas. I, I love these so much. Um, it's funny because I, I'm actually remembering back to one client that I had kind of early on when I first started seeing clients and I had recommended as part of the lifestyle kind of recommendations and her um, follow-up to walk out each morning in the early morning do barefoot. And for me to tell this to her, I felt so kind of silly, you know, I was like, yeah. you might think this is a little strange, 
but here's something that I'm just going to suggest and see what you think about it and see if it, you know, calls to you at all. And she did it and she loved it. And she said that the way that it started her day totally, you know, it didn't obviously like address everything that she was going through, but what it did do was start her day on a different foot. And she, you know, she really appreciated that. And, you know, I was a little kind of timid and, in, in, you know, not prescribing, but like offering that up in the first place, but she actually did get a lot out of it. And so, you know, I think that maybe for a lot of people, it's just maybe kind of shifting our perspectives a little bit from something that we might not consider in the first place and, and trying to step back and look at all the different opportunities that are available to us in this way, because regardless of where we are, a lot of us do have the opportunity just to at least step out into nature, even if it's on, you know, a busy sidewalk in a city where there's a, a few trees growing that we love when they're in bloom or, you know, something as simple as just smelling a flower that you love, that you got at the grocery store that you saw, you know, on a market on the street corner somewhere. And so I love that these are really practical, accessible things that you're suggesting here that can be incorporated into this, this interweaving of herbalism and story and narrative medicine and, and healing overall. And I know that um, when we were sort of setting this up, you had mentioned talking about maybe a specific plant. And I wonder if you might want to tell us a little bit more about this plant that you've chosen. Absolutely. Yes, I, I just piggybacking on what you were just talking about. I find that in the United States, we sort of like we have a mycophobia around mushrooms, you know, we're all deadly terrified of mushrooms. And yet there are places in Eastern Europe where by the time you're five years old, you can go out and recognize XYZ mushrooms and bring them home to your family for dinner. And yet in our country, we just teach our children to stay the heck away because it's gonna kill you. Um, I, I find that similarly to that, we are sort of averse to these, um, other ways of thinking about healing because they're just not a part of our toolbox. Like walking out in the dew barefoot in the morning and literally starting your day out on a different foot. Um, it's, it's not a magic bullet either, but I think that the fear or the distrust or the sort of othering of those ways of healing is something that I see so much in the United States and not as much in other cultures and countries. And I'm thinking specifically about, there are a number of slow medicine societies, uh, like the Italian slow medicine society, for instance, is one that is really interesting to research if you are uh, taken by this concept of narrative medicine, because they just focus on literally being slow with healing and being cautious and uh, considering a multiplicity of truths and factors in the, the healing process and really incorporating a, a lot more of these concepts that we think of as woo-woo. And I like to take the fear and the woo-woo out of it because at this point, a lot of this is evidence-based and it's in the British Medical Journal and it's in uh, the Columbia University uh, Center for Narrative Medicine literature, and it's everywhere. So um, there is a lot of, of research that's being done now to sort of prove what we already know to be true. 
which I love, I love when science, you know, backs the so great <laughs> people already know it's all, it's awesome. It's very validating. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. So that said, I, I do, I have these herbs that have sort of struck me as herbs for empaths or herbs that really, uh, strengthen our sense of story. Um, I think about plants really completing us in a way that we don't necessarily think about because uh, woo woo or not, like we are all alive because of plants. They, they create the air that we breathe. They enable us to be able to breathe. And, you know, suddenly if all the animals disappeared from the planet, we would still be able to, to carry on our lives. Um, at least for the short term, if all the plants disappeared from the planet in a hot second, we would not be able to breathe. We wouldn't be able to live. And so I think about how we sort of have these as humans, we have these herb shaped fulfillment receptor sites inside of ourselves that are just waiting for the phytochemicals that are in herbs to fill them. And one plant that I think about as fulfilling uh, our sort of uh, cognitive centers in this really special and sweet way is passion flower. Passion flower is a vine. Passiflora incarnata is the botanical name of it. And it has just the most stunningly beautiful explosive flower with these wild purple tendrils. And it just looks like it was a snowdrop or something that was just zapped or electrocuted. It's very eccentric looking. <laughs> it's worth looking up a picture of if you haven't seen it. But passion flower is an herb that I like to, to talk about when I talk about empathy because it has this influence on the vagus nerve, which is sort of the communication junction of the cognitive center. It transmits signals between the body and the brain at this very mind boggling rate and stimulating these uh, cranial crossroads amplifies our memory. And so as we all know, memory plays such a big part in story. Uh, memory is this sort of elusive, um, undeniable, always changing beast but it's the impetus of storytelling, right? And sometimes it's its rival if we have contradictory memories going on. But passion flower is an herb that because of its influence on cognition and its influence on the vagus nerve, it, it maximizes story because of its effect on memory. It doesn't, it doesn't omit memory, it doesn't narrow it or change it, but it has this ability to sort of widen and potentiate memory, which can change and shape the stories that we remember about ourselves and the stories that we tell ourselves about our, our minds and our bodies. Passion flower is an herb that can really offer a lot of clarity of headspace and a sort of a placidity and calmness and openness to one's own very subjective inner landscape. And one other really cool thing 
about passion flower is that it actually contains GABA, this inhibitory neurotransmitter that uh, blocks excitatory kind of anxiety provoking messages. So overall its net effect on the body um, is tranquility. And passion flower is an herb that crosses the blood brain barrier. And the makeup of the constituents that are in passion flower actually increases the amount of GABA that we have in our brain. And we know from the literature that GABA directly correlates to our ability to empathize. And so I find that that connection just so powerful because when we drink a tea of, or, you know, my favorite ways to take in passion flower, probably tea and tincture. So when we drink a tea or take an extract, take a few dropper, a few drops of passion flower, we literally strengthen our empathy um, through its effect on our neurotransmitter system. And uh, there are a few other herbs that, that do this, that um, contain GABA or directly affect GABA levels in the brain. Uh, ginseng is one of those. And kava, kava is one of those, um, Piper mythisticum. And, and passion flower is one of those. And it's also an herb that is very strongly tied to the heart. It's considered a heart remedy. And it's uh, calming to the heart, opening to the mind and really uh, pacifying to sort of the central nervous system puts us back into that parasympathetic mode. And I love uh, using it with a client uh, or, you know, drinking a pot of passion flower tea together, I feel like is a great way to elicit story um, and a great way to, to shake memory too and to change and shake our memories and be able to reframe our stories and tell those in different ways. I think that herbs uh, can help us to do that very reliably, really. And, and there are the big herbs that help us to do that, which I think of in terms of like, you know, grandmother medicines and uh, things like psychedelics. They're big, big story shapers and shifters. And then there are the herbs uh, like passionflower or ginseng or motherwort or skullcap or mimosa or calamus or St. John's wort that can help us to do that on a very day-to-day -day basis um, through their effect on our nervous systems. Wow. I... I never knew that about passion flower. I work, I've worked with passion flower a lot and it's, it's something that I always put in my sleep formulas because it really helps me to shift kind of out of that crazy brain mode, that like whirling brain and, and really into my body, which helps me personally a lot with sleep. Yes. Um, but I really, really love this, um, what you're saying about how it, it literally helps us with our ability to empathize. And I, I did not know this at all. And this is a really, really beautiful consideration. And um, wow. Yeah. Thank you for that. I'm, I'm like still, still kind of processing everything that you just mentioned about passion flower and just the idea of a practitioner and a client sitting down together 
and communing over an herb, knowing that it will support both of them in the process that they're about to, you know, venture into together is is really just such a beautiful concept to to start with, you know, and I could envision this being, you know, it's really approachable and something that I would like to incorporate into my own um, client interactions, but to see something like that spread even further and wider into the world is, um, is really heartening. I really love that about it. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I know that, you know, uh, as well as I do how complex herbs are and how, how nuanced they are. And I think that there's to me a great parallel between, uh, how multitasking an herb is in terms of uh, when it's not standardized, when it's a whole plant medicine, we've got, you know, one constituent that's antiviral, we've got something else that's anti-inflammatory, we've got something else that is a calmative to the nervous system. Um, and all of those different parts of a plant create its story and its effect on our body. And that's all part of its role as teacher and um and with story too it, it's a multitasking process you know there's it's never uh one interpretation it's always a multitude of truths at the same time and there are always there's always the story under the story right there's always so much more going on than we recognize and I, I see that parallel between stories and uh, a whole plant medicine as this really beautiful sort of illustration of just the sheer nuance uh, that we all represent. You know, we are all meaning making beings. Um, there's this word in narrative medicine, implotting. So as, as humans, we implot, we sort of connect the dots between things to create a narrative, uh, to create a narrative structure over everything. And um, that's how we navigate the world and make sense of the world. And I think that when we incorporate plant medicine into our lives in these very subtle and nuanced ways, like, you know, stimulating empathy or uh, reframing our cognition, um, we can really grow and thrive and, and learn from our own stories and be more receptive to those of others as well. That makes so much sense. And I love too, that you mentioned like the story of the plant, you know, that there's, there's all these stories that are being interwoven together and it just creates this greater sense and picture of wholeness, at least in, in that's how I'm envisioning all of this. And I can't help but wonder, you know, um, you've mentioned that this um, idea of narrative medicine and the practice of narrative medicine is becoming more and more uh, available and mainstream and it's in the, the literature and the studies. And so um, I'm wondering if, you know, if, if there were a patient, if there were a person out there who is embarking upon a new sort of um, you know, going to see a practitioner and they wanted to have this be a part of their process. Is there some sort of database or how, how could somebody get involved with having narrative medicine be a part of the picture of their healing process? 
That is a question that we are all here to answer. I feel like we are the, we are the people, we are the voices of this movement. We as herbalists and as uh, those who are attuned to natural health and attuned to story. Um, there are a lot of ways in which narrative medicine is really rising in the mainstream. Um, even as locally as right here in, uh, in our Asheville area, Mission Hospital is the big hospital system here. And there have been uh, staff members who are included in as medical humanists uh, or as narrative medicine practitioners who go in and sort of facilitate narrative medicine sessions between healthcare providers, between nurses and doctors. and. Um, there are a number of yeah, positions, similar positions at larger hospitals and teaching hospitals throughout the country uh, where the, the medical humanist is considered now a core part of the medical staff. Um, narrative medicine curriculum is becoming a required course in a lot of third year medical schools. And um, like I mentioned in, with the Slow Medicine Italy, there are a number of slow medicine uh, organizations and sort of incentivizing slow medicine uh, advocates and, and groups um, among healthcare organizations here in the US. Uh, as far as learning more about how to incorporate narrative medicine into your own healing journey, there are a lot of different resources, both for uh, practitioners and for clients or patients. One that I would definitely recommend looking into is the Columbia University Center for Narrative Medicine. Uh, you can follow them on Facebook. They have pioneered the uh, graduate school training in narrative medicine in the US. And then my grad school, Lenore Ryan, was the second one to sort of take that on. And you can follow them on Facebook. They have a really uh, robust narrative medicine center. They also host uh, narrative medicine sessions online where anyone can tune in from anywhere in the world and zoom in. And I just wanna briefly sort of unpack that. So a narrative medicine session in this context would be uh, could look like a lot of different things, but the, the way that I have been trained to host or facilitate these is coming together, reading a piece of literature. It could be a short essay. It could be a poem. It could be an excerpt of a novel. Um, basically using literature as the sounding board or the jumping off point for discussion and, and inner work. So we might read for 10 minutes as a group together, a short ex excerpt of something, and then go through a series of questions uh, where we're looking at the, the narrator's voice, we're looking at the frame of the story or poem, we're looking at the tone. Uh, we're not dissecting it like you would in like a high school poetry class. It's nothing like that. There's no right answers. It's more just like the unpacking of, of questions and uh, looking at the desire of the author, perhaps the impetus for them creating this piece. And often it will be a, an excerpt of literature 
that is centered around illness or, or health in some way. Often it'll be an excerpt of a pathography and a pathography is just a story of illness. Uh, it's a, a very, um, very much a growing genre uh, as we figure out that writing uh, and authoring our own stories of illness is a way of healing. And so after going through those questions together in the narrative medicine session, there would then be a sort of prompt assigned to the group. And then there would be a few minutes left for writing into that prompt, that very open-ended uh, question. It could be something like, write about a time when you felt like you needed to rely on someone for something or uh, write about the last time you were in a garden or write about a memorable dance. It could be, you know, I think on, on first glance, these questions might seem like, what, what does this have to do with health again? Um, but that's the magic of it. That's the magic of expressive writing is that uh, what the science is telling us is that when we write into these stories, we feel less inflamed and we our, our inflammatory markers literally go down. Wow. That's amazing. <laughs> Which is incredible, right? It's yeah. such a superpower. Um, yeah, so that's all a very roundabout way of saying that there are, <laughs> there are a lot of resources to, to dig deeper into narrative medicine. There are a number of new podcasts that are sort of narrative informed medicine podcasts. Uh, there's one that Columbia University is putting out right now. It's called Narrative Medicine Rounds. So it's literally like hospital rounds that are uh, attenuated to story and paying attention to story. And there's a journal a, of narrative medicine in the U.S. now called the Intima. Um, there are a lot of sort of holistic health modalities that are now incorporating story or narrative into them more formally. I have a friend who runs a narrative yoga studio. So it's basically like yoga punctuated by opportunities to write or tell story or read. Uh, so really a blended modality. Um, there's narrative acupuncture, you know, there's, you name it, there's a narrative version of it. <laughs> That's so cool. And I just, I really love that, that it's, it's so all encompassing and that we can, you know, just building our toolbox. Like you said, you know, a lot yeah. of this may in the beginning seem unapproachable or questionable because it's not the water we've been swimming in. It's not how we've known to approach our healing process, but with this information, we can find all these different ways, like you said, you know, narrative acupuncture and yoga and, you know, just all these different ways of blending it in, regardless of where you're coming from or what your interests may be. There's mm -hmm. all these different ways to incorporate narrative medicine and to, and, and just to think that that in itself will actually help to lower inflammatory markers is amazing. I mean, that's just incredible. And, and the more that we're able to come from a place where we're incorporating these sorts of things into our healing journey, it just feels 
really promising. And, and even what you're saying just about like the medical humanists and about this medical or this, um, you know, topic of narrative medicine being incorporated into medical schools. I mean, that seems huge to me. You know, I, I don't know what the, you know, I don't know what people are learning in med school these days, but I remember hearing back when I was in college and I was taking nutrition courses in my undergrad program, that nutrition wasn't even a, an essential part of medical school. And that kind of blew my mind because being a person who is learning about nutrition and how much it can make a difference in our bodies. And now with where I am and, and knowing, you know, food is medicine and everything like that, it was mind boggling to me that that wasn't at least at some point in time, essential knowledge for our mainstream medical practitioners. So I think that it's really uh, uplifting to know that these sorts of modalities are being incorporated into the mainstream. And that means that they're going to continue to be more and more accessible for yes. the greater populations. Yes. So expressive writing uh, has, has had some research around it come out of Duke University. And what this research has shown is that literally something as simple as writing about a health event in your life or writing about a traumatic event in your life for 10 or 20 minutes over the course of perhaps four days. And that's more of a, a structured way of doing this. You can also do it in a more informal, just loose uh, sort of word vomit way of just getting it out on the page. Uh, something like expressive writing for resilience in this way, writing to heal, is empirically leading to a reduction in the physiology, uh, the physical symptoms of cancer. It is leading to a decrease in pain, in heart rate, and in blood pressure. It is leading to better sleep, uh, to higher functioning during the day, higher cognitive functioning. It's leading to higher white blood cell counts as well as uh, improved mood and performance on various tasks. And those are just a few of the uh, empirical results of a really a short-term study on the effects of expressive writing on health, which I find just incredible. Um, there were a, a group of students who were in my graduate school program who went into the VA, the local VA here, and did a an exercise in narrative medicine in which they actually did audio recordings of some of the patients there and they took down their whole life story they transcribed everything from where they were born to their favorite foods as a child to their experiences uh, and they included these transcriptions in the patient's medical charts at the end of this interview process so that when the physician entered into the room to uh, initially see this patient, they actually had to read through their life stories and their uh, whatever felt import important to that patient to share as part of their journey. And it led to this really incredible strengthening of relationship between the physician and the, um, the vet or the patient in that case. And um, 
I just wanted to mention that because it's one like, you know, nitty gritty real life example of, of how this can play out in the mainstream conventional care model. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I have to say, I'm really impressed by just the power and the potency that everything that you're explaining with narrative medicine, you know, just the impact that it really can have on our lives and on our healing processes. So I really appreciate you shedding light on this, uh, this subject and sharing this with us today. And I'm super excited for your book. So when that comes out, we'll make sure to, to share it with the world wide and far. Um, I just love this idea. And I think that it's really revolutionary, but also at the same time, like you said, it's, it's old information and new packaging. So it just really makes a lot of sense. Um, it seems very grounding, like a very grounded approach to healing. And I really appreciate that about it. So thank you so much for sharing with us today. And um, I do have one last question for you. And that is, what is nourishing you in this moment or recently on any level? Oh, that's a beautiful question. How often do we get asked that or asked to share our story around what's nourishing us? What a hey, great Share your story with us. <laughs> oh, you know, what really comes to mind for me is dance. <laughs> and I think that the spring, you know, in the springtime, our, our blood flow gets going and our blood thins and it sort of goes from the core where we've kept it in this sort of shrinking hibernation all winter out to our extremities. And we start eating these spring greens like we were talking about in the beginning that help to also thin our blood and purify our blood. And I have been dancing in fields of chickweed outside oh, I love that. <laughs> to nourish myself um, and get my blood moving again after the, the winter coldness and that time of just really internalizing things. I feel like coming out of my winter hibernatory uh, tree and really taking in those good spring alternatives and dancing to beautiful music outside. <laughs> Such a <laughs> great visual. <laughs> yeah, right? Dancing with the plants, breathing the same air as the plants um, and soaking in the first rays of sunshine for this, this spring year, yeah. So That's beautiful. Meeting me right now. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. And um, I guess in closing today, if they're um, if people are interested in learning more about your work, what's a good place for them to get in touch with you or to find you out and about in the world or online? Yes, I am online and I love talking about all things narrative medicine or herbal medicine. So you are welcome to uh, Follow me at Red Moon Herbs is the Instagram handle that I use at Red Moon Herbs, just like it sounds. And uh, I so I run the the social media there for a uh, an herbal company that's been around since 1994. We make uh, medicines, mostly whole plant extracts, uh, fresh plants in the wise woman tradition. And I'm at Red Moon Herbs on Facebook as well. And for any of you who are like really caught curious with this concept of narrative medicine and would like to 
know more or uh, receive the first chapter of my book emailed to you or to get on a list to be alerted when my book does come out, you're welcome to email me at heatherwoodbuzzard at gmail.com. And just do that quickly with something like narrative medicine as your subject line. And I'll reply to you with the first chapter of my book um, and also put you on that mailing list if you so desire. So it's heatherwoodbuzzard at gmail.com to be alerted to uh, when the narrative herbal medicine book comes out. Awesome. Well, I definitely want to sign up for that. And I'll make sure to put it in the show notes too. So people who are listening can go back and reference that and find you in all the different ways uh, out in the, the world wide web here. So thank you again, Heather, for being here today. I've really enjoyed learning from you and, um, and feeling hopeful about where we're all headed in our healing journeys together. So thank you for being here. It's so good to see you. It has just been a delight, Anna-Claire. I've loved chatting with you around these important topics. And there is so much to be hopeful about. I'm going to go dance in the chickweed now. <laughs> Sounds beautiful. I might just have to go do the same. <laughs> See you soon. Enjoy the rest of your day. You too. Bye. Thank you for listening to Sage and Spirit. You can download more episodes and subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform, such as Apple or Google Podcasts. For more show notes and guest information, visit dancingsagewellness.com. Until next time, take care and be well.